this is Laura Huey and the I Hate Podcast podcast. Today's topic is professional newsletters, professional practitioner magazines, uh, practitioner community group reports, blogs, and so on. And this discussion is brought to you courtesy of hashtag CrimCom. Here's the thing. You have all this expertise. You want to get your knowledge of the relevant research out to your targeted audience. And I hate to break it to you, but in many cases, they're not paying $49.95 to breach a paywall to access a, a paper. And and I'll speak for myself, some of my papers, I'm sure I don't even understand. You know, like we use, uh, we might use technical jargon, we might use concepts and, and so on that, or, or word choices that, you know, make really great sense when we're talking to a uh, another academic in our field but nobody in our family or friend circle has a clue what we're saying. So here's the thing. One of the beauties of CrimCom or SciCom in general is it is geared towards converting all that stuff into accessible, interesting, provocative, entertaining, whatever kind of format you feel that you need to express yourself in or way to express yourself. So that the audience gets it, they want to get it, and they're with you. I love writing for professional, uh, when I say professional newsletters, I'm talking about practitioner groups, maybe um, policy reports, uh, although quite frankly I'm a little bit cynical and think most policy reports just, um, they get commissioned by the government and they sit on a shelf somewhere, so maybe I'm not so in love with them. But to practitioner magazines, community news group letters, reports, blogs, and so on. I don't just write for practitioner magazines, although I have done a, a bit of that, as well as newsletters and blogs. But I also think that we can communicate our ideas to broader audiences. So I'm interested, clearly, in science communication and the policy implications of how we present information. So. When I found out that the Canadian Science Policy Center had a blog and that there was like it was open season just apply and say here's my blog what do you think my blog was up my blog for them was up in probably about 24 hours or less and you know the beauty of it is not only do they hopefully uh, touch a new audience but I also did it in a format, in a venue that anybody Googling across the planet could find this blog if they, if they happen to hit the right keywords. And the Google search, you know, I don't know, rhythm or whatever, whatever it's called. I'm doing hand gestures that you can't see. Whatever, the algorithm, algorithm, the algorithm, you know, likes me and puts it up at the top. Whatever the case may be. Um, there's like, there's some downsides, like, I'm thinking of, there are some practitioner community groups where it is still like in print form, although a lot of them are moving away from that into online, which is like e-zines and all the rest of it. That's fantastic. That said, I would never turn down an opportunity to write for a print newsletter or print magazine just because it's still an opportunity to reach people. And you think, here's the thing, you might go, it's actually, quite frankly, it's the same thing with a lot of my academic work. 
you might go five years without hearing anything about something that you put out and then somebody comes up to you at a conference or another event and says, oh, I read this and you know, yada, yada. Um, so you never know how it's being received. But it, it, if you're looking for an immediate payout that way, it's probably print is not going to you know, happen so much with blogs and online magazines and so on. Typically, they do allow for community engagement or interaction. And I think... You know, if, if, if that floats your boat, then, you know, go that way. But I like to cast my net widely. I know I'm mixing metaphors horrifically here. I like to cast my net widely, and I'm not ashamed to engage in a little ruthless self-promotion. And I have, because there's no shame in my game, I have no problem sending an email, asking different groups, would you be interested in something? Can I write for you? Yada, yada. So for example, I did a blog a few years back for the British Society of Criminology. I don't even know if I was a member of the BSC at the time. I probably joined just so I could submit the blog and then dropped off next year. Let's be honest. Uh, the ASC newsletter, um, Ah, I haven't done anything for that because it's, it's specialist oriented, it's for criminologists and I'm not aware that it's up online, whereas the BSC blog, anybody could, the BSC policing blog, so anybody could access it. So, like I said, don't be shy, don't feel awkward about this because guess what, if you wait and you don't be a little pushy about it, nobody, like, you're going to wait a while before somebody's going to ask you to dance, another bad metaphor. But... Honestly, nobody's like, I know a lot of people are hesitant, especially Canadians. We're very like, we're very shy creatures and clearly I'm not, but everybody else is and we're, we don't like to be super pushy. So if you are an individual, a group, a culture, a community, you're from something, organization where, you know, people are not like a little bit um, intimidated by the idea of just reaching out and saying, hey, can I write for you? Get over it, because guess what? They're probably going to be secretly thrilled by the offer. I've said this before in a previous podcast. It's worth repeating. A lot of these professional magazines, uh, blogs, newsletters, and so on are constantly looking for content, especially fresh new voices. So they're probably going to welcome your contribution. And it is worthwhile for you to make that contribution. Get your work out there. Okay. Thanks a lot, you guys. Catch you on the flip side.